Welcome to Kessler Foundation's 2017 Traumatic Brain Injury Consumer Conference, Moving Forward, Overcoming Obstacles and Improving Quality of Life. This conference is hosted by the Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System, a collaborative effort of Kessler Foundation, Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, and Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. The Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System is funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institute of Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. Grant number H133A120030. This podcast was created and produced by Joan Bank Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation, on Friday, September 29th, at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation Conference Center in West Orange, New Jersey. The dictionary defines the word relationship as an emotional or other connection existing between people. In this definition, the dictionary uses the term connection, but ignores the fact that this connection can be hugely affected by a brain injury. Today, Mike at the Mic will examine relationships after a brain injury with the assistance of you, our wonderful audience. This is so important, the audience is number one with Mike at the Mic. And we have the following members for our panel from the Council for the Head Injury Community. Before I introduce the panel, I just wanted to say sometimes there is a little bit of change that occurs. Today, uh, what I usually do in Mike at the Mic, when the audience has a question, which I hope is often, I usually run around the audience, like the old Phil Donahue show, and Phil Donahue used to run around the audience. Today, running around the audience is not as easy for me because I'm with a little bit of balance problem and a little bit of cane. However, Tom Grady from the Brain Injury Alliance and Angela Smith from Kessler will be helping me out in taking the mic around to ask you guys to ask your questions, which are always terrific here at Kessler. I'd like to now introduce our panel. Our first panel member is Dennis Balance. Thank you. Um, okay, my, my name is Dennis Balance. Most people with traumatic brain injuries whom I've met since my September 13th, 1980 auto accident are married or in serious relationships. Obviously, most have already passed through all, all the maturation stages in life before their, their brain injury. Unfortunately, my debilitating accident um, at age 19, before I was fully matured, um, occurred and altered all future relationships forever. Since my accident, I've continued my physical workouts and education just as I had prior to the accident. At that time, I was in my third, second week of my third year at St. Peter's College in Jersey City. Um, but most of my practical education came after the brain injury. Um, at the time, I, 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 besides graduating from five different uh, schools, 
All right, I, I became a recovery support practitioner and a, a peer recovery specialist and a, a CPR with an AED, an automated, automated uh, external defibrillator. Um, I've worked primarily part-time jobs since my accident um, involving mental health when available. I've pursued an education um, addiction studies major, uh, examining the ma a malady uh, shared by many uh, people with m mental health issues. My, ac my 1980 auto accident resulted in a, a long undiagnosed case of post-traumatic stress disorder, attention deficit disorder, um, which compounded life's usual struggles. But it also gave me an opportunity to explore and discover aspects of alcohol of, of which most people are unaware um, or not very curious. Ultimately, the two separate incidences since my accident, I lost the main depression neurotransmitter serotonin. I've learned that a lack of serotonin is a common chemical explanation for the suicidal urges created within individuals that lead to many suicide attempts in most societies. Thank you very much, Dennis. And now I'd like to introduce our next panel member, Patty Rea. Good morning. My name is Patty Rea. I'm 57 years old. I have a degree in management, psychology, and an MBA. I received my nursing degree at age 30. I have nine years of experience in neuroscience and 10 years in high-risk obstetrics. I'm also a healthcare administrator with experience in patient safety, risk management, and compliance. I'm also co-author of an award-winning book called Medical Tips from the Inside, Things You Need to Know. I have two daughters. On August the 10th, 2015, while I was sleeping, I had a massive stroke. Since my stroke, I've had, I, I had occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, and cognitive rehab. And I currently continue my therapy as an outpatient. I'm currently a guest blogger for the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and I still co-host a local patient advocacy cable TV show called Medical Tips You Need to Know. Thank you so much, Patty. Our, ne our next panel member is Patty's primary caregiver and husband, Al Rea. Hi. <clears throat> Thank you. As you said, my name is Al Rea, and I am the proud father of two daughters. Uh, I am an elementary school teacher for the past 17 years. I've taught sixth grade and now presently teach fifth grade for the last 10. During the summer, I am a manager at Community Park Pool in Princeton. And over my 57 years, I've had numerous and many uh, careers. I've owned an auto repair shop. I've worked in landscaping, commercial construction, real estate, volunteer firefighter, pretty much you name it, I've done it. Um, and recently I was recognized by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association as a uh, stroke hero for helping my wife. 
and I'm her caregiver. Thank you. Thanks very much, Al. Our final panel member is Jim Cahill. Hello. Can everybody hear me? I grew up in Manhattan. At the age of 18, I enlisted in the United States Navy. I was a, I was a, in aviation, serving in the South China Sea, Republic of Vietnam. 2002-5, I'm sorry, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma of the brain, Agent Orange exposure. I had surgery, chemo, and went into complete remission. 2000, I'm sorry, March 2nd, 2016, I lost all motor function. I couldn't walk, I couldn't speak, I didn't know my name. When I was remitted into ER, I was told I had a relapse with my cancer. I went through six cycles of chemo, lost the kidney, only to find in August, I didn't relapse, I had a major stroke. So all this time had lapsed before I actually got any help at all with this stroke. The, I have been through occupational, speech, multiple therapies, presently dealing with cognitive therapy, and uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm here and, and I am alive. Ladies and gentlemen, our panel. I have a few questions that I have written down that we uh, have not gone over beforehand with the panel, but I expect most of the questions to come from you guys. So please help us out. I'll start off, though, with the first question. I'd like to ask Patty. In a relationship after a brain injury, who loses the most, the survivor or the significant other? That's a very good question. After the brain injury that I had, the stroke and everything, I think both the, the patient and the caregiver lose a lot. <coughs> but what it does is it teaches you, first of all, like for, for me, it taught me to never, never, never give up. That's been my mantra since I opened my eyes from the stroke. Because you never know it's the, the little advances that you're going to make, little by little, one day at a time. But what's, what's good is having the support and the love of family and friends 
to encourage you and keep you motivated. Al, I'm sure you'd like to comment on her answer. Yeah, I think she's dead on. Um, we both lost a lot. But on the other hand, in a lot of ways, we both gained a lot. Um, I truly feel that we are much closer now than we probably were before. And we're married 33 years. <laughs> I've actually known her since I was about three years old. Um, I liked her in high school, but Evan wanted her. <laughs> but um, we got together senior year of college, and um, we've been really together ever since. And um, I feel closer to her today than I think ever. So there's a lot of loss, but there's a lot of gain. Thanks very much. Uh, you know our topic. Our topic is relationships. Does anybody from our audience have any question on relationships? We have a number of people getting the questions around the audience. Obviously, I'm not one of them. No one has a question yet? Okay. I will uh, ask another question. Um, I'll ask Dennis. Do family member or friends seem to feel that after a brain injury, recovery involves returning to the way that you were before the injury? Um, from my experience, uh, I think most people that have known you before the injury want to get you back to the way you were, which I thankfully um, never wanted to get back to the way I was. I mean, I, I had a, a, a career just about starting in junior high school as a runner, and I graduated high school tied for fourth place in the county in the two-mile run. Um, I'm not going to be able to go back to running the way I was, especially because of medication I'm on that kind of dehydrates me. And that's a problem when you're distance running. You've you got to retain your water. Um, most people, um, I'm, I'm pretty much the same person. I'm, I'm sarcastic as usual. <laughs> uh, but the, your personality does not alter totally. All right, you, you're born with a, a certain personality. And um, I won't even get into the astrology that I studied <laughs> After, after the accident, but um, it's, it's a, a valid science in my mind. Um, and it, I used it, uh, learning about it to explain a lot of things about life and it, it passed, pacified me by taking up the time to do so. Thanks, Dennis. Anybody would like to comment or ask another question? Uh, we have somebody over here. Thanks for putting your hand up. The one thing that I know, we, we do mic at the mic in a number of places, but Kessler usually is our most exciting place to do it because everybody has a question here. Almost everybody. We missed yours. We'll get it in a second, okay? Go. Don't visit. So, I guess what the, the 
the question is, um, did you find, I guess this is to all of you, did you find that um, a lot of the friends that came to visit you when you were in the hospital are just not, have moved on with their lives and just have nothing, uh, you know, don't stay in contact or, or just, you know. Who'd like to take that one? Jim? Yes, I can answer your question. I had several friends, and when this happened to me, today I don't, I, they don't talk to me. Um, I, 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 I learned from this. You have to be concerned about yourself. And what the stroke taught me is who your friends are and who are not. And believe me, I had a lot, but not today. It's something that uh, really is part of our lives. Anybody else on our panel like to comment on that? I, I'd like to say something. Go ahead, Patty. I was in the hospital for nine months after my stroke, and I was blessed to have family and friends visit me. <laughs> Seven days a week. They still keep in touch. Okay. We had family that actually made up schedules and came to visit her every single day. I was there seven days a week. Um, my sister, her brother, her sister, um, several friends um, were coming up once a week, twice a week, uh, uh, once every two weeks. And um, we watched a lot of people. Um, we, we were in, um, uh, in Edison at JFK, and I watched a lot of people and watched their progress, and the people who had family and friends showing up just seemed to improve faster and better than the people who had no one. And it was really sad, and, and you know, for those who don't have people coming to visit and stuff like that, you know, I really truly feel for you because it makes a big difference. Uh when I was in the hospital, I was in a coma for 35 days, so I wasn't too aware of, what, of who came and who didn't. But I, I'm told that most, most of family and friends came and saw me when I was there. Now, the fallacy that most people believe that when you're in a coma, um, talk to the person, they can hear you. That may be true depending on the level of the coma you're in. I was rock bottom. I had dozens of people talking to me, don't remember a thing. All right. How about since? How about more recently? Um, what, what about? Are your friends still the same? Or do I, you... I, 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 am not, I, mean, I am not the kind of person that really sought friends. You know, whether, whether I had friends or not, they came or whatever. You know, um, if you're going to be friends with somebody, it's something that was meant to be. I, I was friends with a guy from Taiwan for 26, 27 years at least. I still consider him a friend now. However, I haven't spoken to him in about two years. Still have a question? Right. Um, there's a lot involved with, with why I haven't spoken to him um, because there's a lot that, that I wasn't 
aware of when I became his friend. And I usually kick people off my list if they are not honest with me. And honesty is, is a, a primary uh, issue with, with uh, friendships. Now, if you're not honest, you can't be my friend. Thank you. We have a comment over here. Thank you. You don't want to make a mistake, like. Yeah, I'm so afraid, and then I'm afraid that they're gonna. Oh, it's the brain injury. Yeah. Would Would you happen to be born during Libra time? <laughs> okay, because. Uh, does anybody else want to comment on that one? <laughs> because after a brain injury, one of the things that goes away is your confidence, and the thing is. Uh, I'm only speaking on behalf of myself, but sometimes your confidence and the brain injury sort of go hand in hand. And the thing is, if you, the way that you can get better from the brain injury is by getting your confidence back because people think the confidence goes with the brain injury and you don't want them to be matched up. Anyway, that's only my... All I, all I can say is speaking to other brain injured people would help yeah. you a lot and, and a support group would really help you tremendously. And um, please make sure, uh, I'm sure Kessler can help you with that too. This is, this is a large support group but I, I enjoy it very much because we have a lot of supporting people here. Do we have another question having to do with relationships? Go ahead. I, uh, I Give me the microphone. Panel. Oh, thank you so much. I know the panel all seems to be married or in relationships, but I'm single and I'm 90. You tell people you're older that way, they go, damn, you look good. And, and I've always been single. And my traumatic brain injury was quite severe. The right side of my head was taken off by a FedEx truck running me over. Anyway and my emotion center was also part of that. But being single, and thank God I have my parents, but do, did any of you deal with the loneliness of this? 
And does anybody here also feel extremely lonely that, you know, this traumatic brain injury is something that's kind of unique to a lot of people, and it's a very lonely existence, and I don't know if you guys dealt with that since you were all in relationships and had wonderful significant others, but anybody Jim, deal with loneliness? you want to comment on loneliness? I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm in the same position. I'm with a woman 15 years. It's not the same. And it's not her fault. Is there some way that we can figure out uh, to make this a little better? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot. Any help that I am getting, whether it's in support groups, therapy, uh, I'm still in the process of figuring this out. Because the woman I'm living with, she does not leave need. Um, what I'm dealing with, that I have to pass it on to her. Right. Would anyone else like to comment on loneliness? It's very important. By the way, you don't have to be brain injured to be lonely. Um, fa Go ahead, family is important to everybody. I I have I live with my mother still. Um, my father died because of heart disease, um, and. Family, family generally is, is the best company you can have. Comment over here. I really don't like using the microphone. I'm pretty loud, so I'm not going to use it. That's all right. Hopefully everyone can hear me. Um, I also sustained a brain injury going to be seven years ago, and I'm actually an occupational therapy student now. So going back to grad school, and actually having a brain injury really impacted me a lot. I might cry, I'm sorry, so I'm not very good at public speaking. Um, but I did feel very lonely. Um, I actually still do to this day. Um, my students, I mean my students, sorry, my classmates try to help me, but they don't understand like how I feel. And I get frustrated because I see like their grades. And like they like, you know, they get very excited and they show up like, oh, I got an A and I'm like, oh, I got a B. But it's not like, it's, it's not the fact that like I don't have friends. I've lost a lot of friends after my brain injury because they don't understand the, the struggles that I go through. Like they see that I look physically perfect. Everything is fine. I could walk. I could talk. I could do it all over again but they don't understand the other things that are going on with me. My confidence is not there. I, I don't have the same confidence that I used to have. Like I used to go to the gym every day. Now it's like I don't even want to go to the gym. I don't want to do these things for myself. And it's like I don't have that will and they don't, they don't connect with me so they don't want to do things with me because of that. But thankfully I, am, I do have a boyfriend so when you were saying before, like talking, and like they don't understand you, you have to like, I like I love him so much because he's there and he's patient. He's very patient, and I literally I'm very honest. Since my brain injury, I'm very blunt, and I tell him everything. And that's also like another thing. Do you feel he understands you? And he does understand. Okay. Me, but there's things that I say to him 
and he gets upset with me. So I do see like also issues with that, like me being very, very blunt and like that impacting our relationship because obviously maybe I'm brutally honest and so it's like many things with me, yeah. Many things with me. Yeah, no filters. No. I have no filters since I'm very Seven okay. years, no filter. So that's probably why I lost so many friends. Because I have no filter. Not no, no, don't 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 put don't put one reason on everything. It's not that's not right. My confidence is so low that I just always relate it back to my brain And I can't I can't say that to myself anymore. Because I feel like it's bogging me down. And like I'm basically saying all these relationships are ruined because of this. But it's not. It's also there they also play a role in it too. You're thank you. You're Thanks very much. <clears throat> Your TBI recovery. We have other people who'd like to comment on the journey. I mean, you got the 1980 mic. was when I had mine. It takes a long time. I think it was on. No. Put it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. 
it's okay. It's diminished right now, but we don't know how it'll be tomorrow. Just keep working at it. Thank you very much. We have someone else in the back. Please ask the question. Yes, this is for the panel. Um, do you feel that if you had more support from your friends and your family that your recovery would be more expedient? Al, would you like to take that one? Um, we were very lucky and very fortunate that we had a lot of family and friends um, helping us out. I did see people at the um, uh, rehabilitation center. Um, it's at Hartwick at JFK. And I saw people who had no one coming to visit, um, who had their relationships break up. Thank you for um, one gentleman in particular uh, was there and was all excited about going home. And his wife just looked at him. She goes, you don't have a home. I sold it. And, you know, he lost basically his wife and daughters and, and just his world just collapsed around him. And he didn't know where he was going to go. So, yeah, it, it, I think it does make a difference when you have support of close family and friends. Um, and like somebody said earlier, it, it, you really do know who your true friends are um, when you go through a major, you know, uh, health issue. Um, even for myself as a caregiver, um, the support that I got was wonderful, that people realize that being a support person is difficult. I'm going, you know, my regular job, I was going to the hospital, you know, not eating properly, you know, and I had people actually saying, hey, come on, we're here with your wife, you're coming out to dinner with us, you're going to, you, you got to get away from here and go get a little rest. So yeah, it does help. Okay. I can, yeah, I can add to that. When I was in the hospital, Go ahead. Uh, I had fam family would come and visit. All they would tell me is, you look great. And believe me, I know it's gone, it's gone in my mind. I actually asked the nurse to keep them away from the room. So she wasn't, they were not a health in any way. It, and it, because, because I'm also, from my service, I'm also dealing post-traumatic stress. So on top with the chemo, the stroke, on and on, uh, I was not the person you really wanted to speak to. I know I, I was very felt self, where I pretty much provided for myself all my life. So if there's an issue, I was the one who, who addressed, uh, addressed it. Were you mostly by yourself? Wasn't anyone helping you? When I, when I had the stroke, supposedly, uh, the woman I lived with um, prior to this, and I was with her for 15 years, I said to her, you know what? It's time where we have to s separate. So I went out on my own found my own place to live, stayed in contact. Maybe three months later, that's, I had the stroke. So here I am in, in ER, no one, 
No one knew that this happened other than her. And she's the only person who actually came in there. Wow. So to honestly, with, through my, the Jeremy, who I did get, have, get received help from, was my therapist. Because they were amazing. They were the ones who kept saying, you can walk, you can speak, you have to get up, you don't give up. Other than that, no. Well. Any other questions or comments? I see somebody over here. Um, where are my microphones? I have a question over here. Okay. If you have, if you have somebody. Oh, I'm sorry. Not mine. Hi, um, this is for the married couple. What are the kinds of um, uh, things you do to stay connected to, you know, even though you say you're, you're feeling closer now, I'm sure it's always a work in progress. Do you talk to someone? Do you, um, you know, uh, have you, do you have a different approach in how you um, deal with each other, um, your children? Patty, you try. We're, 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 we're lucky that our, our, our children are always there for us to bounce ideas off of. And, and when, when we have an issue between us, we try, we try to talk it through. And we also have family that, that, that's more than willing to, to sit and help and talk with us. Um, yeah, our, our relationship has totally changed um, in a lot of different ways. Um, before the stroke, um, I was a very good wife. I did the shopping, I did the girl's hair, I did everything because she worked night shift. But she was a very good husband. She was a good provider. She took good care of me and all that. So, you know, it was, it was you know, it, and then suddenly I have to take care of the bills. I have to do everything. You know, she stopped me from writing the bills about a week after we were married because I transposed two numbers in the pennies column on a check on the check register. It's like you're gonna script the checking account. Okay, then you do it, <laughs> and she did. <laughs> so, I, um, so a lot of things had to change. An awful lot of things had to change. Um, how we communicate it. It was usually, um, you know, you're not doing that right, and I get a, in the back of the head, and I just said okay, and now. You know, we have to bounce things off each other. We have to be a little more open. I have to be a little more understanding and, and realize it's going to take her longer to get things out. Um, and, you know, it's, it's changed and it's difficult. I'm not going to pretend like it's fun and easy. It's not. But it's also been well worth it. Uh, like I said in the beginning, you know, we're, we're probably closer now than, you know, ever before. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to work through, but, you know, We've always worked through a lot of adversity together um, over the years, and this is just another, as she put it when she first came to after the stroke, well, I guess this is another uh, hill we just got to climb over. And uh, we're doing it. We're just trying to do the best we can. Oh. We have a question over here. Excuse me. Probably has gotten 
<laughs> and um, I had just gotten married. John and I had just gotten married five months before, and it was both our third marriage. And uh, we had got a little plaque down in Cape May. We wrote a motorcycle and it said, forever for always, no matter what. And um, I approached the third marriage like that. And um, it, yes, it's very different. And um, you know, I can't say that sometimes I don't see people walking you know, and uh, say to myself, well, I guess, you know, if John can walk in the kitchen with a brace on his leg and a walker, that's going to be our goal for now. But, um, you know, I have to just look at the fact he could have easily have been killed, and, um, and he's not, and uh, I would marry him again tomorrow. I, I read one time that um, this, lady, this lady had said, my husband doesn't remember the last 20 years that we spent together, but um, I look at it like we're just going to make new memories. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, have, I try to have a sense of humor, and I see that from you, that I think sense of humor gets us a long way. Well, the, the people that are lucky are the ones who are together and stay together after a brain injury. Unfortunately, the one thing that I've heard through my lifetime, which unfortunately I guess is a little bit longer than it's, uh, some of the other people, is that sometimes your relationships do not stay together after a brain injury. And um, if anybody in the audience would like to comment on something like that, that would be also very helpful too because we'd like to hear the other side of the coin. Anybody? I, I, I think before my stroke we, we both had, had, a, had a different sense of humor which, which kind of has been part of our relationship over the 33 years. But since the stroke people know that our sense of humor is still keeping us going and they get to laugh at, at us as well. We're, we're lucky we can laugh at, at, at our situation and that's a, a, a good thing, it, it keeps us going. You married three times? There's still a possibility for us. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, the broken relationships. My wife, uh, I was hit by a motor vehicle February 23rd, and I didn't gain consciousness around March 5th. Uh, with the, my brain was bleeding. And uh, my wife divorced me in 2011, and uh, it's, uh, she's more or less determined to keep it that way. She doesn't. We have a daughter, and uh, she doesn't. We just turned 11. She doesn't let my daughter talk to me. So your relationship with your daughter has gone downhill too. Uh, it's. It's um, kind of where it was before the accident. And I tried to go to family court, and uh, Lackawanna County is Scranton, where I was living. And uh, they, uh, they see it functions like a sorority there. Well, women get whatever they want, they don't care who they hurt. But do you think? 
a lot of it, or most of it, has to do with the brain injury? Um, well, that's it. I mean, if people don't care, they don't care. Yeah, you may have family or friends you care about, and what if uh, it's, they don't, you may, you may have people you love, but what if they don't love you? Right. And I, I, you know, I was in the hospital for seven months, and uh, just try to stay busy as you can, and I think about it. What, what year was it that you had your, your TBI? This year. This year. February 23rd this year, until uh, May, I didn't get out of the hospital. Over here. Well, this is uh, a little bit on relationships. Um, I had my stroke in 2006, and my, I, lo my, I lost vision in my right eye, closed down and my, uh, my left hand, I couldn't feel anything anymore. And I remember I had, I had some incredible support. I remember my friends coming to the house, we're standing in the kitchen with my wife and my friends were around me and they asked my wife, are you gonna stay with him? And the whole kitchen went silent. Everybody was silent. And she said, yes, I'm gonna stay. And that was the first step to, um, to for me, I was, I didn't know, I was, I fell in who, love all over again. Who asked this of your wife? Um, one of my mentors. One of my, uh, my professor came over and said, you know, are you gonna stay with Bill? You know, wow. and she answered, yes, I'm gonna stay with him. And um, that was my, I was really relieved about that because I didn't know what to do with this event, this um, tremendous obstacle I was about to face with two small kids. Um, the second thing that happened was that we did um, neuropsychology, we did it together, we did therapy together, where the, ha the whole family came to Kessler and we had counseling. And um, because, you know, the, the, the doctor, the psychologist said, you know, Bill's gonna be a little bit different now. It's, this is what's happened, this is where the stroke hit. This is, you may see this in him, you may do this, you may laugh, you may cry, but we did everything together as a family and we went to counseling here and it was a tremendous, tremendous um, victory for, for my family and myself. Um, I'm very close to my son and my daughter, my wife. I still write poetry to her, and I, we still walk it in the park together. Not only, but the, uh, I think the beautiful thing about that is that your children understand more about what you're going through. It's not a, it's not a surprise to them. It's not like mommy is hiding daddy from them. It's, they get to experience daddy and see how daddy really is okay every once in a while uh, we have a question over here every once in a while something pops in but um... my name is joanne snyder and i'm a friend of mike mike knew my husband um we we met my husband and I, and Mike and Arlene, his wife, we met um, in 1998. We went on a trip to Israel together with our rabbi and a lot of other people. And Mike, I must say, everybody should have a friend like Mike and Arlene were to Eric 
and me. My husband had a stroke um, 14 years ago. Um, he died seven years ago. And one of the things I want to say is that most of our friends remained our friends. And you really know who your friends are when something like this happens. Um, my husband had aphasia, which means that um, he was unable to speak most of the time. And um, his intellect was there, was intact. And um, Joe understands that. And, and Joe's mom. And um, I volunteer at the Adler Aphasia Center. So that's another thing I would like to mention that the Adler Aphasia Center, the main place was in Maywood, and my husband and his caregiver would go there twice a week, and he was a changed person after he went to Adler. There's, um, there's an, there are now, there are many other satellites that Adler has. I volunteer at the one at the JCC, right here in West Orange on Northfield Avenue. Um, they've also expanded to places in the US. And if anybody knows someone who has aphasia, Adler is for you. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Mike. Mm. Um, if we don't have any uh, questions from the audience, I can add one right now. This one, it's kind of, when I looked at these questions last night, this one was kind of uh, gnawing at me a little bit. It had to do with fear. How would fear inhibit your social relationships? And would a brain injury play a part in this fear? Would anyone like to take that? It doesn't have to be our panel only. It could be the audience, too. Oh, somebody in the audience. Go ahead, Dennis. For, for myself, um, I, I, I fear being an aggressor toward a relationship. I never had experience being aggressor, being, you know, being an initiator. That's where f fear hinders my development and uh, you know, progress. So it still is exhibiting, you still exhibit some fear today? Yeah, yeah. I, Did the it, brain injury add to this fear? No, no. It did, it did I mean, Okay. So it's still the same. The injury, the physical injuries from from the from the accident, add, added to uh, the fear of being recognized. Right. But other than that, not really. 
We had a question over here. It's the fear of rejection. That's what it is. When after you have a brain injury, you fear of rejection. So of being accepted or not accepted? Be, right, from a person that doesn't have a brain injury. You see people that don't have brain injuries and you have a brain injury. It's a fear of rejection. I see. Okay. I'm only going to make a mention about fearless. Are you asking about if you have fear? Is this out of necessity? Do you think you became more fearless out of necessity so that you could get along better in society? No? Okay. Thank you. Other questions in our audience? I see a hand back here. I'm not sure. I used to run around the audience so, so much. Is there a question back here? No, I thought I saw a hand. Well, okay, for our panel. This has to do with boundaries. Setting boundaries is important in all relationships, brain injured or not. How does this apply after a brain injury? How does setting relationships apply after a brain injury? Does the brain injury make it easier, harder, or neither? Go ahead, Jim. For me, it was not easy. The problem I had was I lost all independence. I had to rely on the woman to feed me clothed me, make sure I was taking my meditation, my medications, sport. I can go on and on and on. So psychologically, I was not used to this. You know, I, what, when I went through the incident with the brain injury um, surgery with the cancer, the only side effects I had was recovery, maybe for 45 days. The stroke just destroyed me. I just see I'm also dealing with aphasia. It's very hard for me to accept, and I repeat that, accept, accept who I presently here today. Because I'm not the person, or never was the type of person, that had to have anybody for help. So this is extremely uneasy for me, and it's also putting my relationship uh, with this woman really in, in jeopardy. Thank you. 
Um, other questions from the audience? Dennis, you want to uh, go ahead? Patty? I, was, I, I was just going to say that as far as boundaries go, for, for us, it's a, it's a work in progress. And, and it's a lot of give and take and a lot of communication. You have to have effective communication for it to work and respect. Yeah, and I think um, support groups are big with helping with that. Um, you know, I know the support groups um, have just been a lifesaver for both of us um, because it's very difficult to understand from my point of view exactly what she's feeling all the time. And, you know, I've learned, you know, patience. I've learned a lot of different things. I mean, we've crossed a lot of boundaries, and I mean a lot of boundaries. Um, but, you know, we've stuck it out. And, um, you know, I think support groups and get asking for help, which my friend here says is difficult. Well, it is difficult. Nobody really wants to ask for help. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to just suck it up and ask for help and, and get the help you need. And that's really important. I mean, she set a goal to walk at my daughter's wedding. She had the stroke in August 10th of 2015. My daughter got married in May of 2016. And she was determined to walk down that aisle. And when she walked down that aisle, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And, uh, you know, you, you got to set, you, you know, boundaries are tough, but you, you, know, you just got to keep going forward and just get the help you need and do what you got to do. I've, I've found that um, regulating emotions has been difficult because you don't have, your mind doesn't have the organization that it once had. And, um, you know, boundaries, usually you can tell when to back off, when to, you know, say something due to pe people's emotional cues, social cues. And when you, when you can't make heads or tails as to how you're, you're feeling yourself, it's kind of tough, you know, being able to back off when you're supposed to or whatever. I was gonna say before, the, um, as far as relationships go, um, I always remember in, in a basic sociology class that I had in college, uh, where it was said that the mode to human existence is coexistence. So you have to have people to exist. Thanks so much. Mike, I think we'll, uh, if there's one more question, maybe we can take one more question. Oh, okay. If anybody from the audience has a question. That's another thing that's, that's different. I can't see as far as I used to be able to see either. Difficulty walking, difficulty seeing, but that's okay. Not difficulty thinking, because that's what we do well as brain-injured people. One more One here. You can call me Al, like the song. <laughs> was, it, was, it, um, was it hard for you to relate to what your wife was going through? Like, how were you able to see 
I'm trying to relate as best I can. I'm not perfect. Um, I make my mistakes. I get frustrated like anybody else. Um, but through support groups, um, therapy, um, different things like that, and just communicating. You know, she'll just look at me and go, I can't do that right now. Just stop. I can't do that. And then it's like, okay, we have to step back a minute. And I go, well, actually you can. And here's what we're going to do. And we work out a solution. Because, you know, I'm not one to believe in the word can't. And um, what I've seen her do has just been nothing short of remarkable and amazing. Um, I mean, the severity of her stroke. Um, I mean, they were asking me if she was an organ donor. And that's not a question you want a doctor asking you. And, you know, she's, today she's standing up, she walks, she does things. Um, so, you know, we, we don't take no for an answer. But, yeah, it's very difficult to understand where she's coming from at certain times, um, exactly how she feels about things. Her mood can change. She's far more emotional. She never cried at movies. She's like, you know the hero is not really dead. He was just an actor. That's fake blood. I'm like, you know. And I'm sitting there going, but they died. You know, and it just, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and now it's like, you know, look at the puppies. And she's crying. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, yeah, it is hard to know, but you do the best you can. And like she said before, it's communication. You, you, know, you got to listen when they tell you to listen to me and just hear what they're saying. Fantastic. Anyway, for everybody here, I'd like to thank you all for attending this year's Mike at the Mic. Before you all leave, I just want you to consider this. Relationships are important to our existence whether or not a brain injury is involved. I hope that our discussion today gave everybody a lot to think about in making your lives a lot more complete. Please, thanks so much for coming and enjoy the rest of the seminar. Thank you. For more information about rehabilitation research at Kessler Foundation, go to www.kesslerfoundation.org. That's www.kesslerfoundation.org.